This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
Can we just still our hearts for a moment? Lord, would you, uh, would you just do something that, that's just you? Just take me out of the equation. Lord, we want you and we want you to guide our thoughts. We want your word to just permeate our hearts, change us, renew us, revive us, reveal your truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter 2, verse 12 will provide the foundation for our thoughts, and I would encourage you to be jotting down some stuff in your bulletins or if you have a, far, uh, a smartphone and you want to go to um, the Version app and then find the event, the Church of God Holiness app, and uh, you can also be taking notes there and, and follow along there if you choose to have a, uh, a phone or a tablet. First John chapter 2, verse 12. While you're finding uh, that scripture, let me just tell you a couple of things I've discovered in my very short 57 years of life. I, I've discovered that we are young only for a short time. Uh, and, and I know I'm sounding like an old man, of which I'm not even close to being, just for your information, okay? But I've discovered that there is no fountain of youth. There is no medicine, no invention, no facial makeup that will keep you young. Yes? Some of you may have possibly used products to reduce the wrinkles. You may have kept your skin tan to try to look young. Now you've got leathery-looking skin. You may have even had surgery to reduce the bags and the sags. You might have put on fattish clothes, but you can't roll back the clock on Father Time. You're born, and then poof, you're old. And some of you young punks will discover that sooner than later. And then I've made a second discovery. This is really profound, so you're going to have to think through this one. Even though we are young only for a short time, yet many people remain immature for a lifetime. They grow up physically, but they never truly grow up. For example, some people never grow up financially. They, they never learn how to manage money. They make a dollar, they spend it. They make a hundred dollars, they spend it. They make a thousand dollars, they spend it. They get a raise, they spend it. They get their income tax return back, they spend it. They're always broke. They don't grow up financially. Others never grow up emotionally. And there's always drama surrounding them. And, and you can be sure that they will generally be mad at someone or they will be in an uproar about something. They're, they're never satisfied unless they are upset at someone or they're in the middle of some kind of drama. And you'll be thankful I won't mention any of your names. But even more tragic is the fact that some people never grow up spiritually. The work of salvation, as wonderful as it is, does not immediately bring about spiritual maturity. There are many people who have come to know Christ. They've grown older in the Lord, but they've never matured in the Lord. In fact, you can even attend church regularly, teach Sunday school, serve on the church board. You can be pastor of a church and still be spiritually immature. So we need to talk about this. As they say, if the shoe fits, wear it. But really, I have a feeling that by the end of the day, we will find that the slipper will probably fit everyone here. Let's read our scripture. And we will read about three different stages that we as Christians fit into. It's going to be interesting to see 
where you fit into and where I fit into. Verse 12, 1 John chapter 2. I write to you, dear children. That's the first stage. Because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers. There's another category. Because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men. There's another category, another stage. Because you've overcome the evil one. And then it goes through the three stages, again, for emphasis, as well as to give us a few more characteristics of these stages. I write to you, dear children, because you've known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you've overcome the evil one. Let's look at the first stage that our scripture talks about. And that's what we will just call this morning the childhood stage. It says, I write to you, dear children. Now, I think you know me pretty well here after 23 years. You know that I love kids. In fact, when I grow up, I want to be a kids minister. And uh, Miss Tessie needs to be worried because when I, I, I'm coming after her job as children's director after I grow up. Just saying, so you know. And I don't mind telling you that one of the favorite parts of my Sunday is interacting with kids. Their, their smiles and their, and their hugs make my day. And you guys are okay as well, but the kids, they are what make my day. And, and I love it when, when parents, and, and especially first-time parents, bring their child to church for the first time. And, and again, we're blessed with many young couples in this church. And it never gets old to see those newborns come to church for the first time and and, uh, you know, we had a couple that we presented today, a couple of kids. And, and I love, I love watching the parents probably more than the kids in this case because there's a smile, there's a sense of pride because that's their flesh and blood. Now, uh, you know, I'll take, take it or leave it. I, I'll probably get in trouble with this. Uh, in fact, somebody was, th- this past week, they said, have you been getting a lot of flack for being so blunt on Sunday mornings? Well, I didn't even know I was being blunt. But anyway, I guess that's just my personality. I'm kind of bombastic. But, you know, it seems that um, most newborns... Now, these two didn't because they have their own personality. But most newborns look alike. And uh, you might as well probably get mad over this. But, but in my opinion, you could take ten newborns, line them up, and you couldn't tell a bit of difference. Do I hear any of means? No, don't, don't even go there. <laughs> you know, you can just, just take it or leave it. But, but, you know, we as parents, we think that our child is the most perfect baby ever to grace this earth. And, and that's the way it should be. But let me tell you something about kids. Over the years, having two kids, having had two kids, now two grandkids, and observing many others through my humble but yet very accurate opinion... Let me tell you about children. Children are the most selfish creatures on earth. Amen. Have you ever noticed that, that every movement is towards them? And if you take something away from them, they throw a fit. They're not only selfish, but they're also rude and crude. I mean, they will burp in your face. They will even vomit in your face. Uh, this is kind of gross and Sad and funny at the same time. And I guess those are elements of a good story in church. Gross, sad, and funny. Uh, but some years ago in Bolivia, we were taking some missionary friends to the airport. And, and on the way up to the airport... Is, is this too gross, honey? It is? Well, I've already started. I can't go backwards now. <laughs> but anyway, their child got sick and felt, they were, felt like they were going to throw up. So I was driving and I pulled over to the side of the road. And the vehicle that I was driving was a two-door Bronco. 
And so I looked back to make sure no cars were coming as I opened the door for the child to get out. And as I looked back, the child let it go. It was projectile vomiting. And I got the full force in my face. And at that time, I had a beard. And that vomit was literally dripping from my beard. I was a mess. I needed to go to the car wash. And here's the point. That kid never apologized to me. I'm telling you, babies and kids are rude. You know, babies will also sometimes create a major stink in the church and fill their britches. Now, I I know I've just uh, probably sickened half of you. How was that donut you had this morning? Uh, But I'm talking about these precious little children that we love so much. Let me tell you something else. Little babies are inconsiderate. You know, they'll wake you up in the middle of the night. I mean, they will cry and cry and cry. It doesn't matter if you're sick. They will cry until you attend to them. And then something else, babies are lazy. They just lay around and never help with any of the housework or the yard work. Kids are also sometimes mean. They will scratch you. They will kick you. They will bite you. They can be vicious. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love kids. I would really struggle being pastor of a church without kids. And, and there are a lot of churches around uh, that never hear the cry of a baby. It would be tough for me to pastor a church like that. But, but the reality is that, that babies are born with a carnal nature. And some of our kids here, and I won't mention their names, and I won't mention their parents' names. You'll be thankful of that. But I think they were born with a double portion of the carnal nature. Now, we still love them, but we don't always love everything they do. Now, here's the point I want to make. I think it would be easy for someone to look at a baby and see how inconsiderate they are and say, well, if that's a human being, I don't want to be one. Or they see how selfish they are and say, well, if that's how a human acts, you won't find me being part of the human race. That's ridiculous. But equally ridiculous is that person that maybe sees some selfishness or some rudeness or crudeness in an immature Christian and pipes up and says, well, if that's what a Christian is like, I don't want to be one. You know, to put all Christians into that same category of being immature is nonsense. Of course there are immature Christians that show bad attitudes and, and don't always act as if as redeemed as we would like them to act. Just as there are some babies and children that will burp and fill their diapers in public places, throw some fits, and don't always act as angelic as we would prefer But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. As they grow day by day, we try to work with our children and help them understand what is right, right, what is wrong. Just, gets this, just as we should work with our new believers, little by little, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, and with God's Word, show them the type of behavior that is pleasing to God. So, can I give you some wonderful advice Don't get too up in arms with a few believers in this church and even other churches that may show some immaturity and some bad attitudes from time to time. You know, just as we are willing to put up with messes that babies create, we're okay with dirty diapers as long as I don't have to change them. We're okay with some Cheerios on the floor as long as it's not because of you adults. Um, We're okay with some messes around here if it comes from our kids. Um, we're okay with dealing with those things because thank God, thank God we have an opportunity to teach these youngsters about Jesus Christ. 
And spiritually, it's the same way. Our, our new babes in Christ may not always act or dress or talk or smell like we think they should. But thank God for them. And thank God that He has given us the opportunity to try to make a difference in their lives. And I know I've taken the scenic route here, but here's the point. So yes, we love our baby Christians. We love those who have recently come to Christ. But we don't want our baby Christians to stay in the nursery all of their lives. When Christians who have served the Lord for many years are still babies on the bottle, still sucking their thumbs, not growing, not serving, and still having to be pampered and treated with kid gloves, or they will get their feelings hurt, may God have mercy on them. There is the legitimate stage of childhood, but there comes a time to grow up and mature. Would you say amen? You're not convinced, are you? Let's look at the second stage that John tells us about. And this is what we're going to refer to the young man stage. Our scripture says, I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, I think you know this, but this scripture is not exclusively referring to men. It includes women, nor is it just exclusively referring to a young person. But it's referring to someone who spiritually has left his or her childhood days and has reached some level of maturity. And this stage is, is marked by three characteristics that the Scripture talks about. First of all, it says they're strong. Verse 14 says they are strong. They're not wishy-washy, up and down, sometimes in, sometimes out. Understand that, that people in this stage are committed followers of Jesus Christ, and it shows. The second characteristic of this stage is that we see that the Word of God lives in them. They, they follow biblical principles. They do not compromise their beliefs. They're into the Word. The Word is into them. They're not always mad at someone. These people are not gossipers. They're not people that will use foul language. They're not people that will tell white lies. They're not people that are living double lives. They're not addicted to substances or pornography. These are people who have spent enough time in the Word to where the Word has become part of them. Third characteristic, they overcome the evil one. It says that, you know, more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord, they're overcomers through him who loved us. And I don't know if you've ever wondered why some people can't seem to get over the hump spiritually or why they frequently fall for every temptation that comes their way. But in contrast, there are others that seem to be able to overcome those same temptations. Many times it's a maturity issue. Those who are in the childhood stage many times are not able to overcome Satan. They don't have enough spiritual power to defeat Satan. And Satan is not intimidated by immature Christians. The question here is not, are you afraid of the devil? The question is, is the devil afraid of you? Do you have the Holy Spirit living in you to where Satan trembles when he sees you? Does Satan tremble when he sees you go to your knees in prayer? When it comes to standing up for God, are you a warrior or are you a weakling? Satan is having his way too many times because he's fighting against an army of spiritual children. Now, God's Word talks about being filled with His Spirit, and our church has referred to this as sanctification or a work of holiness. Very simply, it's where saved people receive the filling of God's Spirit, 
And this is what took place on the day of Pentecost, where Christ's disciples, who were already following Jesus Christ, received the fullness of the Spirit. And from that day on forward, their lives changed. They became strong warriors for Jesus. And there's been much confusion on this. There doesn't need to be. The Holy Spirit loves to fill people. Now, this doesn't mean that they will all of a sudden go off and and do a bunch of weird things. Not at all. It just means that now the Holy Spirit is the one who controls their life. And He gives them the power to resist temptation. He gives them the power to, to live an effective Christian life. He gives them the power to live a life that pleases God. And if we haven't been filled with God's Spirit, do you know what the Bible calls us? Carnal and worldly. That's right. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one says brothers. So when it says brothers, what does this mean? Talking to Christians, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly mere infants in Christ. Skipping on to verse three, you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So when you see jealousy, when you see quarreling among church members, bickering, this is an indication that these people have never left the spiritual baby stage. Now, once again, if you are a newly born baby Christian, welcome to the nursery. But I believe that long-time spiritual immaturity is a shame to Almighty God. So John has talked about the childhood stage. He's talked about young men being strong. There's one more stage. And that is what uh, we call the fatherhood stage. Verse 13 says, I write to you fathers. And, And again, when the writer of this book refers to fatherhood, he's not speaking of age or gender. But being a father carries the idea of bearing fruit. What type of fruit? Well, first of all, they should be bearing spiritual fruit. You know, the book of Galatians talks about the qualities that a spiritually mature person should have. Listen to these. See how you do. Take note. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. You see, oh, I'm doing pretty well there. Joy. Peace. How are you doing on that one? How about this one? Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. How about this last one? Self-control. A a person in this spiritual stage of fatherhood is becoming more and more like Christ. And Now, I want to ask you an obvious question. This is not a trick question, very obvious. And then I want to point out something. Who wrote the book of 1 John? It's not a trick question. John! Do you remember what Jesus called him the last part of his life? John the Beloved. And most of us think of John as a sweet old man that was so gentle in nature. But I want to tell you that if you would have been around John right after he found Christ, you would have not liked him. To begin with, John's nickname was Son of Thunder. And the son of thunder was prideful. John and his brother James came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, I'd like to sit on your right hand. My brother would like to be on your left hand. 
there was that pride and desire for prominence. And then John had a hair trigger temper. They, they went through Samaria and, and the Samaritans didn't receive him. And so he got mad and said, Lord, basically he was saying, let's nuke him. I mean, let's call fire down from heaven. I mean, they've humiliated us. Let's teach them a lesson and watch them burn. Know that John was not Mr. Nice Guy. In today's terminology, early on, we would have said he was a first-class jerk. But John began to grow in grace. And he matured. And that rude and prideful and hot-tempered man became John the Beloved. And what's so exciting to me is that after John grew in grace, he went back to Samaria. Remember where he wanted to call fire down, burn him up? There in Samaria, he preached a revival and the fire fell, but it wasn't consuming fire. It was Holy Ghost fire. So if there was hope for John, the son of thunder, I think there's maybe some hope for me. There's hope for you. If you have an anger problem, if you have a quick temper, If you deal with pride, God can help you mature and grow in grace. And you can be, fill in your name, the beloved. Well, secondly, the fatherhood stage carries the thought of bearing spiritual children. Not just fruit, but spiritual children. A father is someone who has children. This leads me to ask you, do you have any spiritual children? You say, what does that mean? Well, have you led anyone to Christ? You know, I'm a physical father, but I thank God that he's given me the privilege of being a spiritual father. And I can't brag about the thousands of people that I've led to the Lord. But I thank him that I've had the privilege of leading a few people to Christ, several of them in in strange places, on mountains, while hunting, while traveling in taxi cabs. I've been honored to lead some people to the Lord in hospitals, in their homes, in my office, here in church. And I know I've missed a lot of assignments that God had for me, but but I thank Him that He's given me the privilege of being a spiritual father. And, And then what excites me even more than that is that some of those people that I've had a small part in leading to the Lord have then led others to the Lord, which makes me a spiritual grandfather. You know, one of the words that melts my heart is when I hear one of my grandkids say, Papa, oh, and spiritually there's nothing like being a Papa. Now, I want to emphasize something about fatherhood. Spiritual fatherhood still keeps the positive qualities of childhood and young manhood. For example, just because you become a spiritual father doesn't mean you lose the thrill of childhood. Keep the excitement in you. Don't forget the moment your sins were forgiven. There are some people that they grow old so gracefully. They have a ball. If I ever get old, I want to be just like them. And then there are others that don't grow old gracefully. They grow old grouchily. Is that a word? You know what I mean. I want to keep the thrill of childhood about me. A couple of years ago, and I, I think I might have referred to this a few years ago, but I came across a hornet's nest on my property, and I watched it for three months during the summer months. And, and uh, in the fall, and it was still warm, it hadn't frozen yet, it hadn't had a frost yet, but I recruited my, my wonderful friend Ryan Hubbard to go help me get this hornet's nest. You remember that, Ryan? And, 
And um, so we went out at night when we thought that they would be in their nest and not flying around. Well, they had their sentries. Um, and and they were they were keeping watch on their flock by night. Um, and, and uh, you know, we thought that they wouldn't be flying around, but they were peeking out. And um, so on the way out there, anyway, I, I told Ryan, I said, Ryan, I feel like a 20-year-old getting ready to do something really stupid. And, and, and it was really stupid <laughs> because those hornets were still alive and very active. But, but we got her done, and I don't remember everything that we did, but we took this big trash bag and we went up to it and somehow got that trash bag around that. And we cut off the branch and uh, cut off the limb. And we have, I've got that hornet's nest there in, in my garage right now. But I always want to have that, that youthfulness. I want to be willing to jump out of airplanes and climb mountains and ride bikes down death road into the jungles of South America. I want to try foods that look and smell awful. I want to keep the thrill of childhood about me and be willing to take a risk. Don't ever lose the thrill of childhood. Don't get grouchy as you get older. And, 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 and I can say this now because I'm, a, I'm now a senior adult. So, so I can say this. Most of the complaining here at church comes from those of us that are senior adults. So for those of us that are older... Let's keep that childhood joy. Let's be encouragers. Let's go on a mission to show that we can get old and not get cranky. But then we need to continue on with the qualities of young manhood, which is to be strong and have the word live in us. We need to mentor those who are young in the faith, help them along. It's not always easy following Christ. And then we need to add the element of leading other people to God. Now, I want to share four thoughts on spiritual maturity and then we'll go home. Number one, maturity requires the miracle of spiritual life. You cannot mature spiritually until you have come to know Jesus. I don't know if you ever talked with someone and they say, Well, you know, I, I have some things in my life that I need to straighten out. When I get all of that done, then I'll become a Christian. Pardon me, that's not very bright. It's like saying, well, I'm going to grow up and then, and then I'll get born. No, it's birth that precedes growth. You know, help us further understand this. Let's say that we would take one of those dead limbs that fell out of your trees during the windy days we've had and, and we would take that dead limb and stick it in a flower pot that has dirt. Would it grow? No. Why? Because the stick has no life. And you can't grow spiritually until... You've had the miracle of spiritual life. Give your heart to Jesus. Second thought. Maturity requires time. You will not be instantly mature. There are no shortcuts to maturity. Now they say that a mouse reaches maturity and is able to reproduce in about three months. But humans can't do that. They are about the slowest to mature and, and become self-sufficient. Christian growth also require, requires time. Don't expect a new Christian to reach your level of maturity overnight. If someone gets saved and they haven't reached our level of maturity in a week, of course, it's taken us 30 years to get there, but we have a tendency to just write them off and say, I knew 
they didn't get it. There's no instant maturity. Third thought, maturity requires proper nourishment. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So don't take a new Christian and, and give him a theological study of Leviticus, Ezekiel, and Revelation, but you take him to the Gospel of John or some other places where there's the milk of the Word. Babies need milk. They don't need chips and salsa. That'll come soon enough. As they become more mature, give them some oatmeal, ground up vegetables, and then in time you can give them real food. And, and here's what I found. People who struggle most often are not receiving adequate spiritual nourishment. You know, they think they can come to church on weekends and, be, and get fed and be okay. Well, that, that, that attitude is like giving a baby, one of these two babies that we presented today, give them five gallons of milk on the weekend and then starve them the rest of the week. You've got to be feeding day by day on the Word of God. And, and if you spend time with God during the week. When you come to church, it won't take much to light your fire because you've already been in the presence of God. You know, I've referred to Clifford Lee. Many of you would not know him. He passed away probably 10, 12 years ago, but he attended this church and he once said to me he had never been to a service here where he didn't feel the presence of God. Why? Because he had already been with God during the week. He didn't have to get his pump primed on Sunday morning at church. It had already been primed. And that's why two people can come to the same service. One of them say, well, I didn't get anything out of the service. It was so dead. And the other say, God bless my heart today. Why? Because one had already primed his pump by spending time with God, and the other probably had not opened the Bible. Lastly, um, maturity requires proper exercise. There are a lot of spiritually flabby Christians and we come to church Sunday after Sunday we want a good meal here but we certainly don't want to exercise during the week to go on to maturity you need to take the abilities and the gifts that God has given you and use them and you say well I can't teach that's okay maybe you can sing you say well I can't sing that's okay maybe you can play an instrument Say, well, I can't play an instrument. That's okay. Maybe you can help fold bulletins or maybe you can help supervise kids. Maybe you can help do some cleaning at the church. Could I challenge you? And we don't like this. Could I encourage you to begin serving? Exercise spiritually. Get busy for the Lord Jesus. And it's a shame that there are some people that have been serving Christ for so long, but they're still sitting in the nursery and, and thinking about themselves, complaining when things don't go their way, and, and judging other people and getting offended because someone didn't call on them. May God help us. Yes, we love our babies. But it's a shame to Almighty God when we stay in the nursery all of our lives. So this morning, I want to just ask you, are you a growing Christian? Where are you? Would you have to say, well, I'm a baby. I guess I'm still in the nursery. Or maybe you've moved on to being a, a young person where, you know, the Word is in you and, and you're strong. And that's good, but 
Have you really reached the fatherhood or the motherhood stage where you have led some people to Jesus Christ? If you're a child that's recently been born into the family of God, praise the Lord. But let's move on to a more mature stage. And so this morning as we wrap up our service, I want to just challenge you this week. You know, just be honest. If, if, if you're a baby, it's okay. But could we just begin to mature in the Lord? It's going to take some time. But let's begin to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let the Word in us. Let's be in the Word as well. And then could we just this week say, God, would you just present me with some opportunities where I can be a witness, where I can share Christ with someone. And God, if it would please you that this week I would be able to see someone come to know Jesus Christ. Where are you this morning? What stage are you in? And could we just this morning say, God, here I am. Help me as I begin to mature and serve and become the man or the woman that you want me to be. Father, I want to just ask that this morning you would do something within us. I think sometimes, Lord, we as Christians, we're content to be so shallow. And Father, sometimes all we care about is we just want our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, just saved. And But Father, there's, there's the growth, there's the maturity that needs to happen. Lord, I sometimes think we're like John that following Jesus and there's still that pride and still that anger problem and we get ticked off and react and Lord uh, when John really had an encounter to where the Holy Spirit came into his life went back to Samaria and um, what a difference instead of trying to call fire down from heaven to consume them the fire of God fell upon Samaria and it was the Holy Ghost fire where people were impacted by Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would become like John. Lord, there are some of us here this morning, we're probably more like the Son of Thunder, a little bit bombastic and a little bit hot-headed and rough edges and sometimes say things we shouldn't say. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to grow in grace. God, that little by little, as you refine us, as you take us over the refiner's fire and you purge us and you cleanse us and you fill us with your spirit, that, Lord, we could all be able to say, God has changed me and taken me. And, Lord, you would refer to us as my son, Joe the Beloved, or Ryan the Beloved, Vicki, my daughter, the Beloved. Lord, I pray that you would just take us and through the refiner's fire that at times is so painful and it hurts. But Lord, whatever we need to become the person that is truly following you, oh Lord, we just ask that you would take us from the childhood stage, Lord. Some of us have stopped there. We're still in the nursery and, you know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're still in the nursery. Lord, would you help us to grow and become young men or young women in that stage to where we're strong. The Word says we're strong and, and, and we're into the Word and the Word is in us. And God, I pray that you would take us there and then 
Lord, along the way, we just ask that you would make us spiritual parents. And then at the right time that we could become a spiritual papa or spiritual Grammy. God, I ask that we would not just be content to make it to heaven ourselves, but Lord, would you help us to just have that passion for these people? Lord, uh, just yesterday at the nursing home and someone uh, passed away right then. And God, there are people that are going into eternity all the time. And God, we can go to bed, we can pillow our head and never think about it. But I pray that we would, we would have such a love for you that would cross over and there would be a love for people. And so, God, I ask that you would help me to see people differently this week. And Lord, let me, be, let me be mature. There are a lot of pastors that are very immature. They've never left the nursery. But I pray, God, that you would just begin to do a work in this church. God, give us some depth, some strength. Give us some spiritual children, I pray. Lord, I ask that this would happen this week. Lord, we don't want to just pray this for long-term future, but I pray that short-term that we'd be able to make a difference in our friends and in our family, in our community. So, Lord, on this memorial weekend, when we may gather with friends tomorrow, Lord, I pray that you would give us that open door to share the love of Jesus. And for what you help us do, we will thank you. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And again, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Have a good week. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.